Hey folks, this is part two of Bureau 13, Cross the Borders. And uh, if, if you haven't listened to the first part of this, you might want to listen to it to get you caught up to where we are now. But we're basically talking about uh, the Bureau 13 agents and uh, what they do when they have to cross borders or, or when they want to cross borders. So uh, take a listen to part one if you haven't listened to that yet. If you have, uh, we pick up right where we left off. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Welcome to the Funkalicious Funktastic Trident Games Funkcast. Collaboration. That's right. And we're talking about clapping with Tehran. You know, basically, it's, it's, you can always go to a friendly place and collaborate, but sometimes you get to collaborate in some place that isn't so friendly. Right. And we were talking about how Tehran is, uh, you know, probably run by the religious, uh, their, their, their Bureau 13 type uh, institution is probably run by the religious sect only because of the, you know, the material you're dealing with, the things you're dealing with, like demonic things and magic and stuff like that. So we're talking about collaboration. So they've asked you to come over. Yeah, there's something over there that they need, need help with. And I guess and it, whenever somebody asks you to collaborate on a problem, it's usually because the problem is something that you have expert expertise on. That pretty much says it's nothing that's local to their area then. Yeah, maybe a Wendigo. Wendigo, like I said, would be a great because, hey, he's, you know, cause, uh, now can Wendigos turn back to humans again? I don't think so. I think they just, well, it depends on the Wendigo you're talking about, okay? In some cases, the Wendigo is the spirit itself, and it does, you know, it, it doesn't inhabit bodies. But uh, I think in, in some, le- I'm not, you know, I'm no expert on this, but, I'm just talking about from the things I've seen. And some of them, the Wendigo is like a is a spirit that in, that invades people's bodies. And I think what was it? It was in the movie uh, Ravenous, which oh, was such a good movie. Um, it was that wasn't something that kind of invaded you. It was kind of something you became. It was sort of like a a spirit in the land, but it wasn't like this independent spirit. It was just something that kind of got in you, but it wasn't its own thing. You just kind of became one with the something i don't know but anyway uh yeah maybe they're dealing with something like that or maybe oh or maybe uh uh okay i got one i got one i got one okay hold on i got i got i got it so uh you know we have the iraq war that we that we went on we have soldiers in iraq uh perhaps one of those soldiers was a native american and uh he did some uh voodoo some indian hoodoo voodoo and summoned up an indian spirit over there that crossed over into tehran Okay. Okay. I was saying, because if it's Wendigo, I actually would be probably calling Canada instead of America. But you're right. Something something that's native to America. If it's an American soldier that did it and they track it down, yeah, they're going to call America. And say, what did you do? I, I think the, the Wendigo is part of, like, the, the northern U.S. Indians' yeah. cultural ethos. Up there with Sasquatch. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah, so so that would be a good time for them to call you in and, and be like, look, we we don't we, we're we're not used to this. What is this thing? We got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, or, or I was actually thinking of a creature that came from. It was in uh, Colcheck, Night Stalker. It came from Louisiana. It was some sort of bayou creature that you had to kill with a gumbo stick. Oh God! Or maybe they've got a a a, a voodoo cult like. Like, who, who can explain how that happened? But maybe a voodoo cult has popped up, and they're like, we don't understand this. I mean, we know, like, we know, like, did, we know, like, gens, and we know that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, and given the state of Haiti and uh, and so forth, there may actually be, may not be a 
an active agency there for them to talk to. So yeah, they call it the United States because we have Louisiana and our version of voodoo. Or, oh, hey, I got one. All right, so you've got, you know, they're having to deal with Israel and stuff. Maybe there's a, um, uh, uh, you know, I think the, what is it that Madonna, she gets into Kabbalah, what is it? Um, Kabbalism, which is a form of Judaism, I believe. Right, but it's it, there is some mystical element to that. So it's a new, it's new mystical. So so let's let's take that to uh, the Bureau Thirteen level or role playing level. Let's say it's actually they've got some magic that they do, and maybe some Israelis have have cast a curse on on them, and they need some Jewish people who understand this stuff who aren't Israeli because they won't. You know, of course, they're not going to work with the. Uh, they're not going to trust them. No, no, but they might maybe. They could convince the bureau to use one of their cabalists. Oh, you know, maybe maybe in exchange for something else to to figure out what's going on. Or better yet, they suspect Sunshine, which is the Israeli organization that, that operates, is behind it. So, they're you're not there really to collaborate. You're there to be a go-between. Right, a, a, a uh, right, a, a mediator. Like in other words, look, don't we're not asking you to attack them. We're asking you to. Not what, attack them. <laughs> what, what what can we do to resolve this issue? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what is it going to take to get them to call this off? Because they're just this far away from releasing a fiery freak in the middle of Tel Aviv. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that would suck right. hard. Yeah. <laughs> just from what I know of the D and D and Pathfinder stats for an Afridi. No, we don't want that to happen. No. Especially when you have people who have nothing to fight magical creatures with. Right. Flash, Mr. and Mrs. America, the West Bank is on fire. I repeat, the entire West Bank is on fire. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's one place. Another place would be interesting to go to, uh, Russia, China. Yeah, we don't have good relations with either one of those right now. Well, let's see the agencies for... Okay, Russia, it's a government agency. China, government agency. North Korea, I would assume, probably would also have a governing agency to design. You know, considering the relationships with China, it's probably a branch that was formed by the Chinese. Right, yeah, I'm figuring it was something from the communist days. Yeah, I would imagine. I don't, wait, 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 wait. I know, I know. If you have to go over to North Korea to fight any any evil baddies, Kim Jong-un is going to lead the way because he's, you know, he's Superman over there. He does everything. Don't forget. Now you don't want him declaring war on us because we got this. We mentioned him in this podcast, do you? Uh, <laughs> hey, that's fine. I declare war on the Tritech podcast. <laughs> well, you know what, Kim Jong Un? We declare war on you. Wow. <laughs> There's some editing that needs to be done. No, no. I don't care if we lose any North Korean fans. Yeah. Of course, you know, and of course, the invite comes through Dennis Rodman. You know. Oh yeah, we'll send Dennis Rodman over. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, was wasn't he in that action movie where he was like a like a superhero almost? Yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> ba- and thank you for bringing that up. I was trying to block that out, Blake. Actually, um. it wasn't, it wasn't, no, that wasn't it. Wasn't Dennis Rodman in that in that uh, movie where where Stallone was? Put to sleep and woke up again. If you no, that no, no, Wesley that's Snipes. that's Wesley Snipes. No, Wesley there was Snipes, a, there, there was a Dennis. There was a movie where Dennis Rodman was the action hero. I think it was Dennis Rodman and Jean Claude Van Damme. I think something like that. Yeah, we'll send Dennis Rodman over to take care of it. Oh yeah, but yeah, there's different groups out there, and you know, different places have different problems. And maybe you're the one that, and maybe you're the one that has to call someone for collaboration too. I mean, let's let's be honest. We can take it to the other side. You need help. Yeah. Hey, maybe there's like a Japanese family that's come over here and has one of those, uh, those, those messed up. Uh, oh man, some of the Japanese creatures are <laughs> like Papa and Oni and and yeah. Oh, the one that comes out the TV. The girl, the girl that comes out the TV. Yeah. Or the Japanese, you know, the Japanese vampire where the head separates from the body and that's Asian. Yeah, that's Japanese. And there's the Asian one uh, where basically has the bowl in its head. Actually, the, there's other ones too, like the 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 woman who has her face scarred, and then she asks you, "Am I pretty?" Right. Oh yeah, that one. Right. 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 Yeah. And then there's um, but you know, there's all kinds. I mean, you got you got African. There's a lot of African, uh, crazy like crazy African creatures that. Oh, the African. Yes, we have the League based in Nairobi. Yeah, it's basically uh, let's get this here. Old and well-established Union of African States who contribute their best to help stop the disruptive evil that calls Africa home. 
Impeded by revolution, war, and civil war, these Europeans and Africans are a dedicated and very well-armed force that will die in the defense of Africa and its peoples. The Bureau has been in direct contact with them since the 1890s and routinely swaps personnel to and from the League. It is considered a badge of honor to be requested by name to come to League offices in Nairobi. It's a private agency. It's not It's not governmental. It's. It, it pretty much covers all of the continent, but it's not based in any governments. Yeah, I would still say that the individual government agencies like South Africa would have its own agency, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Egypt would have its own agency. I mean, Egypt's been dealing with supernatural for since Pharaoh's time, so yeah. yeah. So they're the, 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 the you know basically it's like they're a, they're a private organization. There, of course, there are the government organizations which they may not play well with each other just because of that. You know, you know that that happens too. But yeah, you're talking about Japanese. I'm just thinking that yeah, you get a call from and I don't, you know, this is not an official group, but we're going to call it anyway. The Japan Meteorological Agency Kito Kutai. They deal with they deal with kaiju. You know, this is yeah, and you get a baby kaiju you got to deal with, and who best to deal with it but the, the Japanese? Yeah, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe you find a kaiju egg. And they're like, you know, normally somebody say, we well, destroy. It's like, whoa, hold on, whoa, whoa, slow down there. We might want to study this thing. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. Right. I mean, you find something like that, and you probably want to coordinate with people who are used to dealing with that. You know, what do we do with this thing? You might even be taking it over to them. I mean, it really depends what the egg looks like. If it's if it's white and shiny, ah, it's gonna probably be okay. If it looks like so, they should belong in a Geiger set or Geiger set. Yeah, we gonna call it the flamethrowers. Of course, that made to simply make it hatch. Well, it'd be yeah, it'd be like oh look, a backpack incubator. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's exactly why you don't try to destroy it because you're like, well, you know, in our efforts to destroy it, we might open it. I mean, yeah, if you've seen the recent Godzilla movie. I haven't. Have got- Don't spoil it. No spoilers. No, I haven't seen it either. Oh, the one with um David Strathairn from Alphas? Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. Because the nuclear uh, warming pouch, yeah. Well, no, it's just, hey, hey, if the bull finds an egg and we got to call Kito Kutai, it, it, I would be like, you know, this is something you can deal with. And notice I said something you can deal with. Hand it to them and run. Uh, actually, probably more a problem if it's if it's hatched, and now you got to deal with this youngin walking around. It's only like three stories tall, you know. And you got to deal with it, and luckily it's in the it's in the wilds of Northern California. Uh, but yeah, that actually does fall and brings up the next one, which is because uh, collaboration. Yeah, you know, collaboration, like we said, is going to be you're working with another another organization. And hopefully it's going to be on friendly terms. It may not be on friendly terms. In fact, the adventure could be mostly dealing with the other agency at that point. The action supernatural is something you can easily take care of once you get past all the hurdles of dealing with the prickly and, you know, not so friendly uh, people who called you over to help ask for help. And, you know, that that may even be a good chunk of – that may even be your adventure. I mean, dealing with whatever it is that you're you're trying to deal with may not even be the adventure. That might be an opportunity for your game master to, to, to let some of the other players with non-combat skills shine and, and to, to give your players an opportunity to exercise some of their, you know, diplomatic chops. It ends up with, okay, gumbo stick. Okay, it's dead. We're done. Bye. <laughs> right, but but no, no. Your problems would be in dealing with like okay. So for example, uh, you know, you're you're gonna deal with this this kaiju egg. You're gonna take it over, right? We may not have to fight any monsters at all. There might be an, another agency that wants that egg for nefarious reasons. So you might have to fight some of them off on the way over to Japan, or you might get to Japan and all of a sudden the, the, the Yakuza decides that they want to steal that egg from you because they want to sell it on the black market. You know, I mean, there's, there's all other – you don't always have to fight monsters. No, no. no. In fact, that's one of the uh, – on the old tables, that was one of the problems, you know, getting involved with, the, with governments and other groups. They can provide a whole lot of adventure. The actual supernatural itself may simply just be like, "What? You guys are going to protect me, aren't you?" <laughs> well, they call you know in in you know most of your call like Cthulhu type games. You know the 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 object is never to even see a monster. It's like you you the idea is to stop the monster from ever appearing. 
And I would imagine that a lot of bureau games should be like that. I, I mean, if I was a game master, that's how I would run it too. I'd be like, if you guys see a monster, it means you've already made at least one mistake. So the, that sort of leads into the, the next topic, which is research. Okay, yeah. Like, like, if you read the Bureau 13 D20 book in the fiction, like we said, there's European pixies in Seattle. I mean, that would call for a trip over to England or Europe just to research and see if you can find some other, if you can find native pixies to, to find out what you can do to at least make sure that the European pixies don't, well, kill off the American pixies. You know, as I hinted darkly that the Nisqually earthquake was from one of their dust-ups. Well, no, you don't, and you don't want to just sit there and go, well, you know, this is pixie versus pixie violence. I just see this as, <laughs> as long as there's no collateral damage. And, of course, with pixies, they're massive practical jokers. So you know there's going to be a lot of crossfire. Even if it's, you know, magical cream pies and seltzer water, you really don't want that going public. So, yeah, you're going to have to take care of that. You don't want a bunch of fairies going at it in public, right? Oh, great. We're in the middle of a fairy gang war. Well, look at it this way. We'll be walking over it. Yeah. Now I'm hearing Tom Smith's song, Smash the Frickin' Fairies. Yeah. Of course, it could be worse. They could be Pictsies. What? Oh, that's from Terry Pratchett. He has Pictsies. P-I-C-T. They're, they're, wee li they're wee little men, and they're painted blue, and they're blue. Right. And there are some angry drunks. Aye, and they talk like this, you know. Only a bit more squeakier. And one too many beers, and I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't want you don't want to fire a, a pixie because if he gets inside your pants, it's all over with. Oh boy! <laughs> all right, all right. So, <laughs> all right. So there's research, okay, and that that's pretty obvious. There's not a whole lot that we need to even talk about. You just go for research. Well, okay, that's the reason you're going over. Of course, as we all know, that's just the start of the adventure. Sure. You know, I mean, yes, you're going over to research, you know, standing stones or, you you know, or, you you know, for some reason, some reason, somebody's erected a whole bunch of standing stones in the middle of Pioneer Plaza in Seattle. You want to know what to do with them. Do we take them down? Do we leave them up? You need to go over to over to England and start talking to the M13, see what they know. Maybe you have to go find a subject matter expert up in, uh, or no, actually down in Wales to find out what the hell, what they what to do with these suckers. And that's the start of the adventure right there. You get involved with some super, local supernatural that you, you know, hey, while we're here, might as well have some fun. And this also be, good, be, be a great adventure for when you only need, you only have one or two players. So, say it's one of those times where the other players are, 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 are you know, real life has is, is, is intervened and you need an event and they're not there. So you only got two players. That way, you can, the two players can have a little small adventure and have fun with it while the other guys are off having real life stuff, you know? Well, you know what? That That's a good time. If, Like you say, if you've only got, let's say you've only got one or two players, right? This is a great one. This is a great one to, like, if you're running a big campaign, set this one aside. That there's some big secret that's going on in the background, right? And the players are in trouble, but they don't know it. Like, the whole group's in trouble, but they don't know it. And when you have the opportunity to run just one person, that's when they go on the research mission and they find this scary fact out. And you make sure you schedule it so that at the end of the evening, that player has just gotten that information and uh, maybe has a chance to, to start racing back or, or trying to get in touch with the team to let them know how much trouble they're in. So that when the next game session starts and everybody's together, you drop the bomb on them. Or let him drop the bomb on him. Right. You give that. You give that player character an opportunity. Maybe he's racing to save save them or help them or let them know that they're in trouble, and his actions will determine how hard it is on the party or not. So of course the other way he said before is you get kidnapped. You know, and by kidnap I mean you know it can happen several ways. I mean. Uh, you're physically kidnapped and taken taken someplace else in the, on the, on, the, in, on on Earth. Uh, you could be teleported. You know, you go get some guy who's really a really powerful teleport, and he sends you and your RV in the middle of Moscow Square. You get knocked unconscious, and you wake up, and they're all speaking Spanish, and you don't think you're in a bar. You don't think you're someplace in the United States anymore at that point, and you're not quite sure where you are at that point. That's a that's actually it would be a different adventure. It's, it's, it actually, I would probably fall under the adventure of you wake up naked in, in in the dungeon, and what do you do now? Pray to God it's not like Euro Trip. Yeah. <laughs> Pray to God it's not a Turkish prison. No, no. If you've seen the movie Euro Trip, you know what I speak of. 
What is that? Free t-shirt. Yeah. No, but yeah. So yeah, being kidnapped can be a, st- a great way, especially when your players are used to having all their toys with them. Right. You know, if 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 they get teleported, and you know, someplace, and trouble is, the teleport can only teleport organic material. Hopefully, you're not wearing a polyester suit. Yeah, you'll be in your BVDs when you arrive at when you arrive at your destination. Yeah, or you, or you, or it's a trap. You, 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 you fiddle with the thing. You play with the thing. You push the button, and now you're in, you're in Paris, France. And now I'm thinking. Oh, thanks a lot. Now I'm thinking of Rush Hour Three. We got violated by a very small man with a very large ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. But kidnapping, yeah, a kidnap scenario is a great way for your players who are used to relying on their toys to now have to rely on well their characters and not and not their gimmicks and stuff. So yeah, your major now, especially if you're playing, uh, you need your spell book. Well, your spell book is wherever your is wherever your 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 um your your phone is or your iPad or your computer or, or physical real spell book is wherever it's been put away and hidden. To get the now, science is gonna be okay because they can still do their stuff, and the priesthood goes, Ooh, but you magic users are gonna be kind of like, I got three spells in my head, and that's it until I find my spell book. <laughs> well, I'm sure if you're in a bad situation, all the divine spell casters are gonna be praying anyway, so you know, they'll, yeah, <laughs> oh, dear god, get me out of this, please. But there, that's a great way to see how well your players could do without their toys. Yeah, that's always fun. I, I love it when the game master does that to me. They've, uh, we, 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 you know, we, we've had to deal with that on the last two, last two adventure mini arcs that we've been on. It was one right after the other. We went to a world that magic didn't work in. So all our magic items stopped working. And then, so we got a bunch of sci-fi type stuff. We were in a sci-fi world, got a bunch of sci-fi stuff to help us. And then the next world we went to sci-fi stuff didn't only work, didn't only not work. It actually like fell apart and we're like. Awesome. So yeah, yeah, twice in a row. I I got gotcha. you. Oh, so at this point, I think we can probably just skip to the next to our next major point, which is okay. So you're going to another country. Well, they do things differently there from most places in Europe and Canada, and several places. In fact, for most of the world, most your your average bureau team has oh you know one hundred guns too many on their person. Sometimes <laughs> I, the major thing you can hit is gun laws. Uh, some places, you know, some places you just can't carry a weapon, period. And, you know, uh, some places you can't carry a weapon if you have a legitimate reason to do so and you need a permit. And that's going to be fun trying. When you look at your at your document forger, it only makes stuff for the United States. It doesn't make anything for, for a foreign country. So you now you got to figure out, okay, if I use, if I use my, uh, my 357, I'm going to get in trouble if they catch me with it. Hopefully you got your thirteenth pocket to hide in, but you know uh, that was a joke about which side of the road you drive on. But that is an issue. I think uh, England, it's on the uh, you drive on the left hand side of the road. Japan's left hand left hand side of the road is Australia left hand side of the road. Uh, I think so. Yeah, it is. It is. So is Antigua, because I've driven there, and that's a lot of fun. I do know that there is at least one country in Africa that used to be a left hand side of the road that he switched. And it took it took almost two years for everyone to to figure that out. Dude, I was I was in Antigua, right? And I've never it's the only time I've ever driven on the other side of the road. So uh, they put me in a car and they they made me do it. They're like, you you know, you you're gonna get the license. I was like, awesome. So Antigua, not only was it the left side of the road, and this is gonna be important for you know if you run a game in a, in a third world type situation, because Antigua, I mean, essentially they had the resort areas, and the rest of it's basically like a third world country. Um, a, I'm sorry, a developing nation. But um, not only did you have to drive on the, the left side of the road, but there were potholes, kids, donkeys, goats. I mean, it was it was insane. I white-knuckled the entire week as I drove because I'm like the whole time going left side, left side, left side, left side, pothole, left side, left side, child, <laughs> left side, left side, goat. Left side. <laughs> Hopefully you weren't driving in a right-hand drive in a right-hand drive car. No, no, it was a left – no, the car was oh, – A rental? And I counted. It was like I think my total was 18 times going to the wrong door. I'd open that door and go, oh, wrong door. <laughs> There are places in the world where 
driving on the road is pretty much what you're doing, and the side you pick is whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> I think there's parts of India like that. Yeah. I've seen some of the videos from, like, crazy intersection in India, and it's just like, it's it's whatever. But you know what? Nobody got hurt. It was crazy. I was like, how do they do this? They grew up with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the, the, you know, driving on the road is important. Uh, another thing is, okay, we're, we, we, uh, we're over in another country, and you were asked to be over there, or you're over there, do some dealing, whatever. The other agency knows you're over there. So do you get a shadow? Are you assigned a liaison? Got to do air quotes around that one. Uh, uh, you know, or or do you get a, or do you get an unofficial shadow? You know, you start realizing we're being followed, and I'm not sure who's following us. That's sort of thing. Or it'd be very obvious. Jean Luc stays with you stays with you everywhere you go, and he sticks harder and he sticks harder to you than a barnacle to a ship. Yeah, so you really can't go off and do those, you know, do special little missions. Because Jean Luc will, re- will call up and he'll, you'll get a new you get a new Jean Luc following you. Yeah, I mean that's something, that can, and you know that that can lead to fun situations to try and shake your shadow. Well, that would be really good if you did have any type of FX powers, as they say in D twenty modern, where yeah, yeah, the guy's following us, blink, and then come up behind him. He's like, how? What? How? Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, actually, I always thought about you know the hardest way to tail somebody is from from the front. Because you you always gotta be one. You, 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 I, I think it's possible to tail someone from the front, but you really gotta be good to do it, and hopefully they signal their turns. Well, the best part, no, no, the best the best way to do the best way to do a tail is to have like a two car pass off. In fact, you know, if you ever see uh, when the movies do it right, or you know, they they'll do the, the the tag team tailing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, where yeah, if you're walking around, maybe the guy doesn't even follow you. He just simply reports which way you're going, and then another person picks you up at that point. Right. You know, so you think you lost him? No, you haven't. That guy in the corner throwing up—he's an agent. He's watching you. You know what? Hey, no, John, I got it. You know how you you instead of tailing somebody, how you lead them? You have a psychic on the team. Oh, even better yet, you have a ghost. Or a ghost? Yeah, sure. The guy's riding in the car with him. Hey, they're about to make a left turn, dudes. <laughs> Or maybe maybe the bureau has some kind of like precog navigation device, which is like a few seconds in the future, and you can, you know, you can look at your navigation device. Oh, they're gonna make a they're gonna make, they're gonna make a right turn in about two seconds. I'm actually thinking be, of you being tailed or followed uh, surreptitiously. Right. I mean, there's. I mean, I I, I agree. Count when when I was living in Colorado Springs, I had to actually go to a. I was working for a, a moving company, and we had a contract to to move a bunch of files out of a naval office in Colorado Springs. There was a naval office in Colorado Springs. Everyone got a shadow. There was someone assigned to keep eye on you, everywhere, including you know where. Oh, no, that wouldn't be annoying at all. No, not at all. Not at all, but that, that's something to consider, you know. And I would, you know, I would imagine some countries, yeah, China, you get a sh- you get you get an agent assigned to you. To every agent, there's an agent assigned to that agent. With their <laughs> agent, yeah, <laughs> they got other people for it. Our agents have agents. <laughs> yes, uh, which can make op- you try to operate. You know, of course, that's, that's the point. We try to make friends with the agent, so he, he'll let you get away with you know going off and. Seeing the sights, uh, that, that 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 does lead right into the third point, which is so. Yeah, you're in China. How much authority do you have? That is authority as an agent. Can you operate like you do in the United States, or are you pretty much stand there in the corner and don't drool? It depends. I would say that depends on the capacity in which you were in that country. Now, if you are actively chasing somebody into that country and you get across the border, you sneak by, you know, you do the Jedi mind trick or, you know, bluff roll or whatever, fine. You're in the country. You're tracking this thing. Most, I would say most countries, you're going to be a private citizen, a foreigner running around, and you're just a private citizen. Which means not a whole lot of power. If something comes up where you get arrested or something, again, that leads to your point that you added later on, the Bureau will disavow any actions you take that put the Bureau in a bad light. Basically, you want, you know, as uh, and I just watched Blazing Saddles Sunday night, the parson, son, you're on your own. I mean, I mean you know, 
also, you, you, we say host government because some of these agencies are private, as you as you pointed out. Yeah. So, so the so you actually get you know, what do you expect from host government? You're a foreign you're a foreign national in, in their in their country. You basically are you're not a government agent. You you have they didn't ask you over there. You know the uh, uh, you know the the league asked you over you know, to help out. You know and and uh, and yeah, you're just an ordinary citizen. You have no authority at that point. So yeah, when you pull out, when you pull out your 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 Bane shotgun, hopefully no one's got got a, a cell phone camera pointed at you at the time and get you really in deep trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Cell phone cameras are the bane of the bureau these days. Yeah. Of course, you know, I was looking at my points here. None, some, and of course, we're Americans. It's always the Americans. Yep. Don't ever understand me, Americans. <laughs> yep. So, of course, you get into that situation then of, so how do you deal with the other agency? Yeah, you're over there you're dealing with, you know, the down in Mexico with DFS. And you, you watch them take what, what you would do in America would say, yeah, go, go, leave. You know, don't bother us, okay? And put a bullet in its head. Some you know some supernatural then on the on the American side we pretty much let go and be free and you know and don't sin no more and well, down there it it's depends bad. on the supernatural if it's something that fits in the ecosystem or is not causing any direct harm we let it go if it is something that's killing people yeah then there's termination with extreme prejudice you know yes but but say in in America it, you know say the critter is just it was just annoying, but it wasn't dangerous, you know. Uh, you know, say it was gnomes are busy, you know, fixing people's shoes without telling them, you know. <laughs> you know, little little birds that turn into gnomes at night and fix his shoes. And again, let, let's let's go back to Tehran. You know, yeah. they're probably going to have a oh heck no, it, and, nothing. No, we kill everything. It just and I hate to say it, so it all I'll sort it out. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Mexico. It's it's a fairly religious. Well, I don't want to say it's a fairly religious country, but it is fairly Catholic. No, but Brazil is. I, I don't know how religious Mexico is, but I do know Brazil is quite. Mexico very strong Catholicism. 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 Or, yeah, they are gonna. They're probably gonna have their own DFS. They're probably gonna have more than a few combat clerics in their midst. They'll have Jesuit combat. Oh, oh, uh, folks! For those who don't know, read Hardcore Catholic. Yeah. And of course, Italy. Oh yeah. Oh no! You get the Vatican involved. That's that. Unless it's a, unless it's an angel or a known minion of God, kill it. Yeah. Which doesn't mean it, they actually do it. But that's the that's the standing order. You, yeah, that would be the then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I say, you know, there'll be places. I would say the places in all these countries where, yes, they have a standing order. You know, kill supernatural. But in practice, you know, if we were, you know, you get agents who grew up someplace and realize, you know, leaving out a saucer of milk for the for the for the fairies is just fine. It doesn't cause any problems because when we try to kill them, things go really bad. Yeah, things go south when we fight them. So if we don't fight them, yeah, they tend to leave. It's it's sort of a standing. You leave us alone, we leave you. Hey, what was that country where they didn't want to build a road through the area because they were afraid that they might disturb the uh, the fairies that live there? Iceland, I believe. Oh no, Iceland has a big um, thing about fairies and it's part of their culture, and you disrupt the land. And I mean, you have like. Let's say you want to build a factory somewhere near Reykjavik. They actually have to call in a government agency to make sure it's not going to disturb fairies. It's not going to throw things off. This is a legitimate agency in Iceland. I know. I'm not, I, I know. They stopped a road from being built. These are stories that I have had read and have read personally on my show about Iceland and how they regard fairies. And it's a real government office, you know, like the Bureau of Finance, the Bureau of, you know, of of roads and you know the road commission and they got basically the ferry commission yeah but you know what in, in the bureau 13 world they're real the ferries are real and they do an important job yes <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like i said not all agencies are secret just that most most of the world will go and say <clears throat> yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we're doing. You know, but, but in the Bureau 13 world, they're, they are they play a very important role to keep the fairies from getting well, out of hand. Actually, I can see that now. If you have a fairy problem, you go to Iceland. Yeah. They deal with them all the time. Yeah, they have a good thing of it. They have a working relationship with them. Yeah. Heck, they might even have some of them working on staff, you know. It's just like, yeah, yeah what's up? Hey, Joe, what's up? You got a troll problem, you go to Norway and deal with the uh, troll security service. Right, exactly. Uh, actually, it's part of the part of the fiction that there's actually a troll in Fremont. He's been encased in cement, and he's buried under a bridge. And he really can't get out, but he does sort of wake up enough at night that you can talk to him. Oh. And he knows he knows stuff. He's been there since the last ice age. Twenty thousand years—that's a lot of history you can draw from. Yeah, ten thousand years. Oh, no. uh, I'll bet he's no. The last ice age, twenty thousand years ago. 12. Yeah, no, the, no, the no, no, it ended at twelve thousand years ago. It, yeah, it twelve thousand. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the, this area of Seattle was still under ice twelve thousand twelve thousand years ago. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it's uh, he, but it's a quid pro quo. You, you, he'll tell you something he knows in exchange for something he doesn't know. Well, that's true. And apparently, if you're encasing a bridge, it means you don't get out a lot. So yeah, you probably want to fill him in on. What the modern things are going on? Either that, or maybe he just wants cigarettes or something. Well, no, he was encased in, in the nineties, so he's only been the, he's only been under the bridge for the past thirty years or twenty years. Yeah, so he just basically he's 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 become the uh, go between for a lot of supernatural and people who need information. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna you know the city planner comes up every so often asking about some place you're gonna dig and want to make sure they're not going into some ancient burial ground. <laughs> And he wants he wants, he wants it up front first before he tells you his information. So yeah, it's like I said, it's quid pro quo. But yeah, you go there in the, into uh, Norway, and those trolls will eat you, and then throw you up because you don't taste right. That's comfortable. Wow, thanks a lot. Nice. <laughs> well, at least you don't go out the other end. Yeah. No, they throw you up. Okay, good. They eat rocks. Reminds me of the movie Galaxina. I'm a rock eater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch Troll Hunter. I haven't seen that yet. Is that good? Yes, it's 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 great. It's one of those found film movies. Oh, I like I like the previews for it. It's on uh, Netflix, and I think you also can get through Amazon and through uh, iTunes. Cool. That's a is that a Bureau Thirteen esque movie? Yes. All right. Cool. Well, you guys heard it here. Go watch it. The most important thing: How do you get there? When we hit that, sometimes you got to fly there. Sometimes you got to take. You can drive there. You take a boat sometimes, uh, but you know we may have another way of getting there. That came from our Bangor, Maine episode. If you remember, we said Bangor, Maine is sort of like made up of bits of the United States. You know, all sort of put together and sort of folded away. I mean, it's you know you can walk out Bangor, Maine and end up someplace in the United States. So it's not like it's, it's not like it's in another universe, but it sort of is it's sort of put into a fold and sealed up. There it is. Well, I sort of imagine that when it was when Bangor Maine was put together and created, they decided to include a bit of every U.S. territory. Mm-hmm. That includes embassies. Yes, all right. United States embassies are considered United States soil, as are any other embassies yeah. around the world. So imagine if you have to go to Rome and to visit the Vatican, there's a garage door in the back of the American embassy. That opens up in opens up into Bangor, Maine. Well, you still have to do okay. the card reader thing too. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it opens it up. It looks like a regular garage. You know, bureau agent opens it up. It's you know, there's a there's a back door you can you can drive through, and and end up in Bangor, Maine. Basically, it, it turns into like a uh, what a two hour trip to Rome by car. Uh, actually, what I would think would be more like what happened was that you drive into Bangor, Maine, switch out to a Roman car that they bought in Rome and papered and titled and everything yeah. in Rome, and then you drive out in that car. So you probably a little Citroen or a little something cheap. Looks cheap. Stops tank rounds. But, right. Uh, <laughs> well, it depends on where you're coming out. If you're coming out in Germany, you come out in a Jetta. <laughs> yep. There's an, there, and, and I imagine this was done back in the after 77. I think the bureau was made. I think uh, Bangor, Maine, was made in like the eighties and nineties because 
Bureau came back in the 90s. That's when, after they went underground, they got all their, uh, how can I say this pleasantly? They consolidated all of their fecal matter. And, hey, we got kids listening. I got to, you know, keep it PG at the very most. And so Bangor, Maine was formed then at post-massacre to, we got to have this facility set to train all this Mr. and Mrs. Joe America that we're going to be having to induct to replenish our ranks. So, yeah, they pulled all the various bits and pieces of, you know, they basically, it's a pocket dimension that, uh, okay, basically, from what I see, it is a pocket interstice accessible to all you uh, American lands. There's an example I give in in Fremont. Uh, there's the White Witch of Fremont and her coven. They have a garden right in the middle of the Fremont neighborhood. No one can see it because they basically made like a fold and then seal up the edges around the fold. So the garden's there. You look up, you see the sky. You see people walking on by, but they can't see you because you're inside the fold. So it's like so it's like rifts in your pocket. Yeah. It's magic, so it isn't some sort of scientific thing, and there's just two entrances into this fold along the creases, so to speak. Yeah. And if you look at an old map of, uh, of the area, you can see that the river that goes on by had a bend in it. Well, the bend's gone now. It's sort of straightened out. It really is still bent, but you can't tell because it's this fold. And so bits and pieces of the United States have been picked up and folded together and sealed Touch the, you know, it's like some sort of multi-dimensional origami to make it all work. Ah. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, but you're, you're only you're always two at best two hours away from Bangor, Maine. You can always drive there. I figured that in Washington State, it's somewhere down in uh, in um, oh Centralia. You have to drive down Centralia, Washington, and go up to a uh, to an old sawmill, and basically use your cards. You can go to the back. Because they basically took the entire, took half the sawmill's old old land and just sucked it into uh, Bangor, Maine. So you basically go out the back door and you're in Bangor, Maine at that point. But I also say that they have a problem in in, in Moscow because I think no, they don't because yeah, they moved to the new building because the United States got a new embassy building in the '60s. It turned out it had so many bugs in it. You might as well just call it a roach motel. Uh, <laughs> And they had to go to another building, but I think the building in currently right now was there. It was they've been in since the uh, since the seventies, so that would that would have a a bit in there. I mean, like I said, it'd just be like a room or a, a someplace. You know, at the very least, it'd be a um, utility closet you could come out of and uh, be on foreign soil. At least be inside the embassy and then get out that way. Oh, no, I'm sure that all the different embassies, there's all different ways in and out of them. And a good bureau agent could literally travel the world and just be like, how did you end up here? Hey, trade secret. You know, we'd have, we could tell you, but we'd have to kill you. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't a problem. Really, it really wasn't. But now as you get into the 2000s and the, 20, and the 2010s. Well, I'm sure a lot of it, well, post 9-11, there's going to be a lot of problems with how things are. As far as relations with countries and extradition and well, not relations with countries, showing up in people's cell phone pictures. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And two places across the world, timestamp two minutes apart. You know, they see you ducking into a door, and then someone gets a picture. Somebody you get you're in a background picture someplace coming out of the well, door. That's, no, ten minutes two apart. hours later. You're. It's like wait a minute. Two hours later, you were in New York. And two hours later, you're in Moscow. Yeah, it's starting to yeah, it's starting to be a problem with all the cell phone cameras out there and people just taking pictures. So yeah, it's you know it behooves you to make sure you're not driving the same car and maybe even change your clothes. It makes it harder to spot it to the same person. Well, yeah, I mean you well they well they also say that well here's where you do your bluff roll and you say well you know they say everywhere in the world there's somebody that looks just like you. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. Of course, with the yeah, Bureau of Facial Recognition software, they can go, yeah, we caught this, this guy, we caught this team again. They they're, must be teleporting again because they, they were in 16 places in, in New York in under 15 minutes. Uh, That's <laughs> hardcore there. <laughs> 
so yeah, getting around. So that's you know, that is one way. But you know, this, that's the easy way. Just do the hard way. You're going you're going to some place in Africa, no embassy because it just got it just got formed, like Sudan, the the uh, northern Sudan. It's a brand new, you know. There's no American embassy there. You gotta fly there, more or less. So now, you know. So the question is, is how do you sneak all your gear out? We know you got the 13th pocket, but you know, as Bruce said, don't abuse it. So you know, so you, you tell your team, okay, um, just because of various re restrictions and so forth, you're limited to one 13th pocket each, and it can only it can only hold X number of pounds, you know, and puts ridiculously low like. 20 pounds or possibly you know another possible thing is is that you're going to go into a volatile area um it it's a very you know exceptionally dangerous mission um it's quite possible you might lose an agent or two and maybe the maybe the director says i'm only going to give your leader the thir the 13th pocket because we don't want to fall into uh you know their hands we don't want it to fall into some terrorist organization's hands so if they get a hold of one, they'll get one. But you know, you you know, your mission is not to allow that to happen. So there's only one that can be lost. Uh, so that way, if you know he goes down, you make sure you get it off of him. So let me ask a question uh, concerning the things like the bureau, bureau shirts and so forth, and bureau jackets, all which are more or less bulletproof. Mm -hmm. How? Why do you think that that shows up on these new scanners they have? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are they bulletproof? Why are they bulletproof? Because they are. Okay, no, is it magic? Is it technology? Is it... Yes. Yes? A bit of both? A bit of both. It, it's not going to... You know what? I, I don't know because... All right, so... You know, I've been through this... I've been through the detectors about a million times in the last year. And, um, you know, they... As long as the x-rays can get through them, they're not even going to show anything. Well, the, the newer scanners, where you stand up with your hands up in the air, they use yes. millimeter, they use millimeter uh, microwaves for that. Okay. Uh, but the question is, how well does Bureau 13 armor stop millimeter microwaves? I don't know. I mean, you know, it protects against everything. Uh, that includes being shot with lasers. Oh, you might have an issue. Yeah. So, and the thing is, you just can't even just pack it into your bag because your bag is x-rayed too. Both your carry-on and your... Uh -huh. And your check-in luggage get X-rayed, and yep. you know, and they come along. They be, you, know, you, you you go through security. You come along. All of a sudden, you, sir, you come over here, and you're looking at picture, you know, pictures of your bags. They're completely black. No, you don't put that on a plane. You ship it ahead of time. Yeah, that'd be the only way of doing it. You ship it through the uh, post office uh, to your hotel room, or Kiki's delivery service, one or the other. You know, there's a way to get in it there, but yeah. But it does mean when you land there in the other country, you're probably like you said, one person has one person has a thirteenth pocket hidden in in their backpack, and yeah, in there is your basic load, and that's it. To now going through borders by car is I would imagine is a whole lot easier because you just gotta show an ID or show a passport. Um, places in Europe, once you land in, I think, one place, any place in Europe, you're pretty much free to hit any other place in Europe, am I correct, or? No. No? Okay. Mm -mm. It's, it's easy, but you're not, you're not just free to go anywhere. Okay, so if you, if you got across a border, you know, I, I, I actually haven't traveled to Europe in a actually, long Actually, you know time. what, let me, let me take that, let me take that back, because I'm not totally sure, I think I went through, when I flew from Germany to London, I think we went through a custom. Yeah, we went through a customs area. No, you, you probably, you probably. Have, I would imagine you have to, because we we went through customs from Germany to, to to England, and they're part of the EU. Yeah, I'm just thinking that you know, traveling on train around Europe. I mean, basically, it's just a perfunctory border, you know, border border crossing check, or I I don't know. You can look it up, dude. You can look it up online, folks. You can look this up online. Yeah, it's a googly thing. Don't listen to us. We don't know. <laughs> we's ignorant. Right. We's, we's Americans now. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, uh, that would make for a great scene, though. You're on a train. It's it's a variation of the hot pursuit. Mm -hmm. The train's going from France to Belgium. You know, France to yeah, it's Belgium. Sure. Yep. The, Could do that. Then to the then to Netherlands, and you're and there's a supernatural on board, so you can have all these great scenes of you chasing him on top of the railroad cars. Now, yeah. understand, 
getting a type of rail car these days is a whole lot more difficult than it was back in the 60s and 70s. Plus, I think over in Europe, a lot of them move a lot faster than America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> think okay. Tom Cruise. Um, you know, an interesting one would be, because uh, Prague is right next to Germany. It borders Germany. Or not the, the not Prague. So Prague is in the Czech Republic, which borders Germany. Um, that would be an interesting one, because you're, you're going from the EU into... You know, in, into another country that's not part of the EU, and that 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 can make for some adventure, interesting adventuring. Czech, or is it, or is is it uh, which one is it that has Transylvania? I think that's Bulgaria. Yeah, that's right. It's Bulgaria. So that'd be a place. You know, we need to do some research on vampires. Where is it? Where is the place that's expert in vampires? All right, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, going to Bulgaria. Right. All right, so, hey, we're coming up on time. When bureau agents have to cross international borders in order to deal with the supernatural, many things can happen, and it can happen for many reasons. Your agents will have to be on their guard to make sure that not only they get the job done, but they don't strain relations with other countries because due to political climates and whatnot they need to make sure that they're able to do this again so when you run your bureau 13 game you want to be savvy about the verisimilitude of how things are in your world but you don't want to bog it down with politics you want to have the adventure and the fun of the adventure be the paramount facet of the game. So when you have your players go into these other countries, you want them to shine in all the ways, not only in dealing with the supernatural threat itself, but getting through the border dispute in order to do the job that you are there to do. So if you have any other ideas on how to go about this or your result as far as running an adventure, please let us know on the Yahoo groups, on the Bureau 13 Agents Everywhere forum on Facebook. Leave a comment on iTunes. Leave a comment at tritagsystems.podbean.com. We also have a Google Plus group, Tritag Games. The Tritag Games Podcast. Yes, thank you, John, for reminding me of that. Uh, let us know there as well your results and any other ideas you might have on the subject of Bureau 13 agents having to act in foreign lands. We will let you all know more about TriTech Games next week, but until then. Yo, the TriTech Games podcast belongs to the bad mother. Shut Listen up, you brothers. The TriTech Games Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative 3.0 license. So don't go do anything bad or hunt you down.